So most of you who know me know I'm somewhat of an armchair archaeologist. I love archaeology as it pertains to the Bible and the Middle East. And um, I do a lot of reading on it. And I've been to Israel a handful of times and visited many of the sites. And you also know I'm working on a, a TV series, uh, 15 episodes for God's Learning Channel. But recently I hit a wall. So if you could pray that I'll <laughs> dig through that wall. I'd very much appreciate it. I've gotten about four or five episodes done, but I'm only about a third of the way to go. So help me with that, and I get myself over to Texas and film those things. It'd be a blast. But the reason I'm talking to you about archaeology and prayer, uh, prayer is what the whole topic's going to be about this morning. Archaeology, they recently discovered Judaism's oldest prayer book. I mean, within the last couple of months. And it dates to the year 800. Now, before the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered, the earliest Bible we had, the oldest Bible we had, dated to about 1,000. So this gives you an idea on how old and valuable this find is. Some things that really floored me about it. First of all, it looked really cool. I mean, it didn't look like it was 1,200 years old. It just looked awesome. Leather-bound, little book. Little, by, like four by four. And it was only like 50 pages long. And the reason I say only is because I grew up in the Jewish tradition, and this is what the prayer book looks like today. Four by four, 50 pages, 1,200 years ago, I guess somebody needed a job, because it's gotten a lot bigger since then. Now, this is the daily prayer book for the typical Jewish synagogue. This is the prayer book just for the high holiday, Yom Kippur, uh, Rosh Hashanah. There's another one for it for Yom Kippur. So, something has happened where we have added more and more and more prayers over time. Most formal religions have formal prayers. Exact words you're supposed to use at specific circumstances and or at specific times. Um, I think that's not a bad thing in and of itself. We all want help praying. Actually, we need help praying. There's a passage of Scripture that says this. In certain ways, we are weak. But the Spirit is here to help us. For example, when we don't know what to pray for, the Spirit prays for us in ways that cannot be put into words. So the idea that certain prayers are given to us is not necessarily a bad thing. But for me, enough already. That's too much. I know an ancient holy prayer. It's one of my favorites. It goes something like this in the English. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Actually, I pray the Lord our souls to keep. I have a family. Guide us safely through the night and wake us with the morning light. Does anybody dare say that's not a holy prayer? that that's not a good prayer? That that's not an effective prayer? And it's a prayer you can teach to your children. It's easy. It's concise. It does the job. That's the kind of prayer I appreciate. And so when the disciples came to Jesus and said, teach us to pray, John's disciples asked him and he taught them to pray, so please teach us to pray. And here's what Jesus did. He said, when you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, 
Now, I gave a different translation. I have this memorized in one version, but I want to read to you a different translation of it. Our Father in heaven, may your holy name be honored. May your kingdom come, and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day the food we need, and forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, if you want a phrase-by-phrase study on that, I've done it in the past. It's available somewhere online, somewhere on CD. If you want to just ask for it, and we'll try to dig it up. I'm not going to do that today. I want to give a, a different look on this. First thing I want to talk about this prayer is that Luke's version is different than Matthew's version. And that causes a lot of people consternation. Because if Jesus is supposed to be telling his disciples the words to pray, and Luke records one set of words, and Matthew records another set of words, which are right. And if one's right, that means the other's wrong. And if the other's wrong, then there's something wrong in the Bible. That could be a problem. I think what the problem is, it's not that Jesus was trying to give his disciples exact words. He was giving them an outline. He was giving them a summary. This is what your prayer should be like. It's not so much use these exact specific rote words. If so, then we certainly have a problem. But if it's the principle of communication of the concept that was primary, then we have no problem at all. John Lightfoot, one of the commentators I use a lot, wrote this about the Lord's Prayer. He didn't believe it was something that's supposed to be said verbatim. It's more of a summary prayer. Here's what he says, and I quote, He delivers this most exact summary of all prayers to be added over and above to our prayers. His most perfect to our most imperfect. So Lightfoot, his opinion is, and I agree, that it's a summary, and it's not the only prayers we're ever supposed to pray. It's kind of like, this kind of wraps it all up. This gives you a good overview of everything you need to pray about, but it's not the full enchilada. And then he says about the Lord's Prayer, it's the summary on prayer, just like the Ten Commandments is the summary on practice. You realize there's more in the Bible to do than Ten Commandments, and yet there are the Ten Commandments. They sit alone, they're easy to memorize, they're easy to follow, at least to know you're supposed to follow, just like the Lord's Prayer. It's easy to memorize, it's easy to follow, but there's a lot more to prayer than just the Lord's Prayer. What I like about it is it's refreshingly short. Remember, this is the tradition I was raised with. So when somebody, God's son, tells me I can say three sentences and fulfill prayer, I'm feeling pretty good. It's, it's a relief. This could be a burden. But that is refreshingly short and it's comprehensive. We are taught, and maybe you were too, that in order for prayer to be good, it's got to be long. It's got to drag on, you know? Here's how I pray. God, thank you for this food, and thank you for my family. Amen. That's my prayer. In fact, sometimes I don't want to ask other people to pray before I eat. It's going to go cold, you know? I, I just want to eat. Stop praying, you know? You know you're laughing because you know what I'm talking about. Now, there are times when you might want to be a little more ver verbose in your prayers. Go ahead. But at my dinner table, short and sweet, it's the way to go. Jesus said this. He said, when you pray, don't keep on babbling like the pagans. 
They think they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them. Your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So prayer is not to inform God about anything. He already knows everything. He knows what you want. He knows what you need. The pagans in those days thought if they keep repeating the words over and over, eventually their God might hear it. Jesus said, don't be like that. The King James doesn't use babbling. It uses vain repetitions. Repetition over and over and over again. In vain. It's worthless. Don't do it. So it's about too many words and the same words being repeated too often. Let me give you a couple examples from the pagan world. Let the parent killer be dragged, we beg thee, Augustus. Let the parent killer be dragged. This is the thing we ask. Let the parent killer be dragged. Hear us, Caesar. <laughs> Just like, I guess if you're not sure of your God, you might need to repeat yourself because maybe he didn't hear it the first three times. Here's another one. Antonius the pious, the gods keep thee. Antonius the merciful, the gods keep thee. Antonius the merciful, the gods keep thee. There's a, that's from the classical world, but there's actually an example of this in the Bible itself. Do you remember the story where Elijah went on to Mount Carmel to challenge the priests of Baal? Let me read to you some select words from that showdown. They called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Oh, Baal, answer us, they shouted. They called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Talk about repetition. Oh, Baal, answer us. Oh, Baal, answer us. Oh, Baal, answer us. From morning till noon. Well, you got to give them credit for persistence. Holy cow. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. I'm sure he did. I'm amazed at his patience. He sat there for hours and listened to them do that. I'd have been pulling the hair out of my head. Stop already. Obviously, he's not listening. And that's pretty much what he said. Actually, here's what he said specifically. Shout louder. Surely he's a god. Uh, maybe he's deep in thought. Or busy. Maybe he's traveling. <laughs> So here's Elijah saying, maybe he's sleeping. Wake him up. Louder! And these idiots did. <laughs> Midday passed. They continued their frantic prophesying until the time of the evening sacrifice. All day long they did this. And then Elijah said, okay, you've had your turn. My turn. Oh God, and as soon as he starts to pray, fire descends from heaven and answers his prayer. He didn't even finish. False gods, the true God. False, vain, babbling prayer, true prayer. That's the kind of prayer that matters. Prayer should not be repetitious or drag on. However, Jesus did say they should be persistent. And he gave an example. He told a story. And here's what he said. He said, a guy got a visitor at midnight. Now, I don't know about you, but in that culture and in that time, when somebody comes to your house, you feed them. You provide for their lodging, you provide for their food, you provide for their comfort. Now, we've changed a lot. Our culture is different. Chances are, if somebody shows up at your place at midnight, they've already hit McDonald's on the way anyway. 
But in that culture, you know, they've been traveling all night. They got there at midnight. They must be exhausted. They must be starving. And you don't have a refrigerator. You don't have three months worth of food. You don't have anything to set before them. So what do you do? Well, Jesus said, the guy went to his neighbor's house. Hey, Jack! 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 Jack's in bed sleeping. He's a farmer. You know, he's got to get up early. And somebody's bound, banging on his door at midnight. He goes, what? Who is it? Hey, it's your neighbor, Fred. Man, I'm sorry to bother you, but, you know, I've got some friends. They just showed up. It's midnight. I don't have anything to give them to eat. Can I borrow a couple loaves of bread? Jack's going, dude, it's midnight. Go to bed. Gets back into bed. Grabs his pillow, fluffs it up. Jack! Jack! Fred! Leave me alone, I'm in bed! Grabs his pillow, says a few choice words about annoying neighbors. Goes back to bed. Here's what Jesus said. He won't give up, get up and give him food because he's his friend. But because he's annoying him, he'll give him whatever he wants. That's what he says. He said, in the same way, knock and it shall be opened. Seek and you shall find. That's the context of that. And depending on your version of the Bible, it might just say knock. But the, the Greek is keep on knocking. Keep on seeking. And the word here, persistence, here's, here's the words from the ISV. I tell you, even though that man doesn't want to get up and give him anything because he's his friend, he will get up and give him whatever he needs because of his persistence. The word for persistence there is really annoying persistence. That's really what the Greek says. So I say to you, keep asking and it will be given to you. Keep searching and you will find. Keep knocking and the door will be open for you. You already know I like short prayer. I want one and done. I wish prayer worked like this. Oh God, I need something. Poof, there it is, done. But prayer does not always work like that. Sometimes it does. Sometimes you got to pray again and again and again. Sometimes God doesn't answer you right away. Sometimes he does. So I told you I put on Facebook, I wanted to hear about people's prayers. I got an example of one for persistence. Now, I know people who've prayed for other people for 60 years. That would be a good example. But here's a different one I want to share with you. Guy said, and you can go on my Facebook page and read it yourself. Guy said his truck was breaking and there was a knocking noise coming from the engine. He said he knew it was falling apart. And he just asked God for the truck to last through winter. Just give me three months to save up enough money to get another truck, a replacement truck. So he starts praying every day for this truck to last, to survive, to not fall apart. First day, second day, third day, fourth day, fifth day. He's praying for three weeks. And remember, he wants three months. So he, he would have probably prayed for all three months. But the car's still lasting three weeks. One day he's driving down the street and he gets rear-ended. And the whole thing just, you know, it's like somebody pulled the pin. The thing just was destroyed, fell apart. But they were able to push it right into the nearest parking lot, which happened to be an auto dealer with lots of trucks in the lot. The guy who ran the lot said, you know, I saw the accident. 
I'll tell the police it wasn't your fault and I'll deal with the insurance company for you. Pick any truck on the lot. He got his new truck three weeks later and he didn't pay for it. The insurance company covered it because he got rear-ended. That's the type of thing God does for his people. I don't know if that would have happened if he prayed once and stopped praying. Sometimes you got to walk with God on the journey. And he wants us not to babble on like the pagans, but to be persistent in prayer. Delays in answer to prayer are biblical, as the story that Jesus just shared with us portray. Actually, there's four possible responses to your prayers. Yes, no, maybe, and maybe could also be later. Could be one, you know, maybe slash later. And the fourth one I don't want to tell you just yet. Because most people don't know the fourth one. And most people don't teach on the fourth one. So we're going to give a little build up on that one. Yes is easy. For example, um, oh God, please don't let it rain during the soccer game tonight. And you play soccer and the clouds are all around you and they're raining all over, but not on your game. You got a yes. Okay? God, please don't let it rain on the soccer game tonight. Lightning, thunder, the field's so wet, the game's canceled. You got to know. Yeses and nos are easy to deal with. The maybes or the laters, those are the hardest. I mean, deferred for how long? <laughs> um, here's one that I hear all the time. I just lost my job. Would you please pray for me to get another job? Now, here are the things that I have seen happen. Four job offers within a few days. <laughs> Praise God. But what I've also seen happen is week one, week two, week three, month one, month two, month three, going to lose my house soon, month four, lost my house. Why isn't God hearing my prayers? Why doesn't God give one person a job and not the other person? Why does God heal one person and not the other? I don't know. That's his, his business. That, it's above my pay grade. I just know I've seen miracles done in prayer. I've seen people healed. I've seen the impossible happen time and again. And other times it's almost like, is anybody up there? I don't know. I just know as the great scholar and philosopher C.S. Lewis said through the words of Aslan the lion, that's somebody else's story. All right, just let God work with them. Who knows what they need? Maybe they need to go through that thing for whatever reason. I don't know. But I know sometimes there's yeses. We have sitting in the church this morning, somebody who confided in us, I think it was about last year, that she had these big growths, thyroid, and the doctors were going to take a big look because there was something very wrong going on. So she confided in us and a few of her friends and asked for prayer. I think it was only a week later, she went to the doctor and they found nothing. And the doctor says, I don't understand. This is a miracle. I can't find anything. <laughs> Happened here. We've had people healed of cancer here. Just amazing things. And other people not. I don't know, but keep praying. Because you might be the one. And either way, we trust God. Let God do what God wants to do. He knows. 
So, four responses to our prayers. Yes, no, or maybe. Not yet. Which, of course, we all know is the hardest one. Here's the one that nobody ever talks about. Here's the one that we, you also have to know. The fourth one is, I'm not listening to you. It's not the same as no. No is a child asks dad for pizza for dinner and dad says no. I'm not listening to you is no response. It's I'm intentionally ignoring you. I don't want to hear anything you have to say. That's harsh. Oh, but Steve, I thought God loved everybody. Oh, yes, he does. But why is it that we forget about the other aspect of God? He's also the judge, jury, and executioner, is he not? Isn't he the, the God of wrath just as much as he's the God of love? Yes, he is. Doesn't he discipline? Yes, he does. There are times when God does not want to hear people's prayers. In fact, there's even a time where he tells a prophet not to pray for the Jewish people. And yet there's another place that says pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Because they were in sin and God was going to judge them. He had determined it was time to judge them. So he said, don't pray for them. It's similar to Isaiah chapter 1. It says, listen, when you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Even if you offer many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. So in this circumstance, God was saying, I'm not going to listen to anything you have to say because of your evil. You're being wicked, and I'm not going to hear your prayers. Unrighteousness keeps God from hearing prayers. The Apostle Peter said something very similar, paraphrasing parts of the Old Testament. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So God's ears are attentive to the prayers of the righteous. But his face turns away from those who do evil. Same thing. God likes to listen to the prayers of the righteous, but he will block up his ears and say, I am not listening to you. Of course, we always want a yes to our prayer, but it's good if God says yes, no, or maybe. At least we know our relationship with him is strong. He's listening, and we're having a proper relationship and discourse. But the I'm not listening, yikes. There's definitely a problem between the person praying and their maker. So what happens to the person who's in that situation? Well, they can stay in that situation or leave it. It's entirely up to them. For, uh, Isaiah continues. This is what he says right after, I'm not listening. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Encourage the oppressed. Defend the cause of the orphan. Plead the case of the widow. So he doesn't just tell these people who are in sin to apologize he tells them to stop doing wrong and start doing right. It's not enough to just stop doing wrong. I think in Christianity today, we've got so much emphasis on grace that we've forgotten that we are created unto good works. God doesn't want to just leave us in a cave somewhere not doing wrong. He wants, us to, put us, he wants to put us in society to do good. It's not enough to just not do bad. It's not enough to not afflict the widow. How about plead her cause? How about support her? It's not enough to just not oppress the orphan. How about support them and plead their cause? 
Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Encourage the oppressed. Defend the cause of the orphan. Plead the case of the widow. Prayer. 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 It's not magic. It's not hard. It's not confusing. It doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be drawn out. In fact, sometimes drawing it out is wrong in some instances. A couple things we learned about prayer just this morning. Jesus gave his disciples a prayer template to guide them. It wasn't long and it wasn't complicated. In fact, God doesn't even want repetition in our prayers or incessant babbling. We saw two things that God does want in our prayers. Righteousness. Our prayers are to be effective, as the scripture says. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. He wants righteousness in us. And he wants persistence. When the answer isn't immediately yes or no, you just keep on praying. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his ears are attentive to their prayer. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Encourage the oppressed. Defend the cause of the orphan and plead the case of the widow. Please join me in prayer. Lord, thank you for showing us what prayer is. Help us to be faithful to you and righteous and to pray for those in need. Please hear our prayers and let us know that you hear them. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.